0: Hey guys, thanks for checking out this episode of the John Campius Show podcast, the audio-only version of the John Campius Show on YouTube. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, July 21st, 2020, titled Wonder Woman 84 Novel Reveals What Brings Steve Back. And remember, guys, you can also get a comment or question on the live questions part of the show by sending in a question anytime, 24-7, in the tip link in the description of this podcast at streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question read on the show, and you'll be supporting the channel at the same time. And for now, let's get to the episode. There is one thing to talk about off the top uh, that came up this morning, and that is this. Now, we all know... That there is this uh, little movie coming out about mutants or something like that. Of course, we're talking about New Mutants. Uh, So New Mutants is a movie that we've been waiting for for quite a while. We've all kind of been waiting for this film to come out. It's been delayed several times. I believe it it was shot over three years ago now. We're literally over three years since this movie was shot. And... It got delayed and delayed and delayed, and now it's supposed to come out end of August. That's probably going to get a delay as well at some point or the other. Now, there's also been a lot of speculation over the last while that maybe New Mutants would end up—I don't know—maybe going to directly to Disney Plus or to streaming and stuff like that. At any rate, this morning when I got up, uh, just a couple hours ago, I noticed this stuff going around on the internet. That did you see a trailer leaked? for the New Mutants that says streaming on Disney Plus on September 4th. <gasps> Did you see it? Okay, so that's really ramped up this uh, all this whirlwind going around the internet this morning that uh, Disney Plus is going to have New Mutants on September 4th. I want to talk for, for a little bit about why that's not true. But then I also want to talk about why there's a possibility It could be true all right so we're going to spend the first little bit here talking about why this stuff about new mutants is coming to streaming in september 4th is not true and then we'll talk a little bit about why there's a chance it could be so let's talk about this now the the trailer in question in case you guys haven't seen or heard anything about it this is up on reddit of course the source of all truth but this was of course put up on reddit and it's it's this uh it's this trailer so this is the trailer we're talking about now i'm going to talk about three reasons Why I don't believe New Mutants is coming out on Disney Plus on September 4th. Like it says, you can see right there, right at the bottom of it, streaming exclusively September 4th. Here are three reasons why I don't think this is real. Number one, the trailer just looks fake. We'll talk about that in a second. Number two, there are contractual issues with HBO. Number three, there are contractual issues for theatrical release. We'll go through each of these one at a time. We're going to start off by looking at this trailer itself. And just the fact that this trailer looks incredibly fake. And here's why. They do a pretty good job of cutting this thing together. But I want you to notice something. Uh, Look at the typography. Look at the fonts of New Mutants, the styling of it and all that kind of stuff. Okay, I want you to pay attention to that. Now, we're going to go back. We're going to go over to, where did it go? It's up here. Here we go. Look at this screen that comes up in the middle of nowhere that just suddenly says, Streaming September 4th. Watch this. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? Okay, now first things first, let's look at the black, the background blue. They tried to make this look like Disney Plus's background blue, but you're gonna see here that it actually you can tell they're two different background images. So look at the background blue there. Now look at the Disney Plus one, the actual Disney Plus one. All right. Now look again, look at the background, and then look at the one with the September 4th date on it. They're clearly different background images. They tried to make it look similar but they're clearly different background images. Also, I want to say, look at, the, look at the font. I mean, if that doesn't scream some guy who just opened up uh, Photoshop and typed in a date, I don't know what else does. I really don't know what else does other than that. Um. So yeah, I mean, just, there are just too many telltale signs here that this thing is fake. The fact that they're not using New Mutants typography, the fact that the background, the Disney Plus background image is clearly, even though only slightly, it is clearly different. Again, take a look at that image. And now look at the Disney Plus one. They're clearly different, all that kind of stuff. So number one, the trailer itself just looks fake. So that's the first thing we'll talk about here. The second reason why I don't think we're about to get New Mutants announced to be releasing on Disney Plus on September 4th is there are contractual obligations with HBO. Um, and this was kind of pointed out a number of months ago. Uh, a lot of the bigger outlets went into this in detail about you know the fact that New Mutants, as well as a number of other Fox-based films, they have pre-existing contracts for when their streaming starts. They're going to HBO. They have other contracts. In this case, HBO is one of the big things. So anything that goes to streaming as far as New Mutants goes or stuff that came out from Fox, they first got to go over to HBO. So there's contractual obligations with HBO. Now we go on to the third part, is that there are contractual obligations with the cast and director and others involved for this film to actually have a theatrical release. This was pointed out earlier this year on um, Variety, which pointed out in another article that there are contractual obligations involved here, that this has to go theatrically. So, number one, the trailer looks fake. Number two, there are contractual obligations for when it does, when New Mutants does go to streaming, it needs to go over... To HBO first and number three there are contractual obligations and issues for this thing to be theatrically released So there are a number of different things here that point to the fact that this Announcement is probably fake. It's probably that trailer is definitely fake But I mean that this whole news and rumor about September 4th is probably fake That being said, all right that being said There is also There are reasons that if you are somebody who wants to believe that this is true, there are reasons to hold on to, legitimate reasons to hold on to. Let's start with this. We've got a panel coming uh, at the Comic-Con at home that's coming up here. There is a panel coming of New Mutants, right? Now, the fact that they're doing a panel does not mean they're about to announce they're going to streaming. But, you know, with them doing a panel, you think there might be a big announcement probably announcement about the new theatrical release date or it is conceivable that this new this big announcement will be that they're going to go to streaming and maybe Disney plus so that's one thing if you are somebody who wants to believe this thing's going to Disney plus there's legitimate piece of information number 1 or at least legitimate possibility number 1 that you could hold on to there is this upcoming panel could be used as a platform for announcing it going to streaming the second thing that you could hold on to here is even though there's contractual obligations for this to go to HBO, it is conceivable that Disney went to HBO and said, let's make a deal for us to get these streaming rights back. Because, well, you know, here's the thing, uh, dear friends at HBO. Hmm. we uh, We don't think we can pull off a theatrical release right now. We don't think we can pull off a theatrical release. We need to put this thing on streaming. You got the streaming rights. Can we make some kind of deal here? And maybe Disney paid off Warner and HBO to get the streaming rights back. That is conceivable. It's not like nothing like that's ever happened before. So that's possible. Also, the third issue about the contractual obligations for this to get a theatrical release. Same thing with HBO. Disney could have theoretically gone to the people involved and said, listen, we would like to put this thing straight to streaming. Can we work out a deal to get you to release the theatrical release clause in your contract and pay you X amount of money or whatever? So if you're looking for reasons why maybe you could believe this thing's going to streaming, number one, we've got that upcoming panel at Comic-Con at home. Number two, they could make a back-channel deal with HBO to get those streaming rights. Number three, they could also make another back-channel deal with those interested parties who have those clauses in their contract about this movie getting a theatrical release. It could be resolved. So there's a bunch of reasons why if you think it's coming out, I got to tell you, you're not crazy because there's enough there to maybe hold that belief. But I will still say, though, I find it highly unlikely. Not impossible. I just gave you a bunch of reasons why it's not impossible. I still think it's unlikely because if you're Disney and you're trying to get this new Mutants movie out there, is it worth the hassle and expense to you, if you're Disney, to go and pay another couple of million dollars to HBO to get the streaming rights back right away? To go and pay more compensation to everybody you had that contract with that says this got to get theatrical release? Is it worth, is New Mutants worth your time, energy, and money to do all of that to forego a theatrical release and get it put on to Disney Plus? I don't think it is, but maybe Disney does. So my position on this right now is simply this. I don't think that this is legit. I don't think we're getting this announced on September 4th, but I gave you a bunch of reasons why it's not impossible. Question is for you guys. What do you think is going to be going on here with New Mutants? Do you expect it to get a theatrical release, whether it gets its current release date or not? Or do you expect, you know what, John? I think there's enough information there to say we can expect this thing to drop on Disney+. Plus. What do you guys think? Jump down into the comment section below and let me know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, Let's get into our main topics today. And how do we select our main topics here on The John Campion Show? Well, you know, it's up to you. You guys come up with our main topics by going anytime 24 7 over to slash contact. Once you get there, you're going to see a form, fill it out with your topic or question. It's totally free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campion Show. With that down, Let's move on to main topic number one and our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Chris Brickner who writes HBO Max has been out for about two months and Variety reported that it will lose all eight Harry Potter movies. What is going on with HBO Max? That's a good question. Along with not being on Roku and Amazon, losing the Harry Potter franchise so early seems like another misstep. What are your thoughts on this? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yes, yeah, you're absolutely right. Word has come out that in, I believe it's late August, all eight of the Harry Potter franchise movies are being removed from HBO Max. And I know, I personally know a number of people who the whole reason they got HBO Max, some people for the Justice League stuff, whatever, but I also know a number of people who specifically got it because they wanted that Harry Potter content. Well, the Harry Potter content is going away. Within months of HBO Max launching, they're losing one of the biggest franchises in film history, It's going away. Now, according to the report, Variety, uh, NBC Universal has had signed a deal for this a while ago. HBO Max was only ever going to be able to have the Harry Potter stuff for a certain amount of time, and it looks like it's probably going to end up on Peacock. (laughs) I just hate saying that name. It's probably going to end up on Peacock. There's no official word right now saying that that's the case. There's no official word right now saying that the new Harry Potter movies will indeed end up on Peacock, but everything seems to line up that shortly after we see the Harry Potter movies disappear from HBO Max, they are probably going to end up finding their new home on another streaming service that isn't on Roku, another streaming service that isn't on Amazon Fire, and a streaming service that isn't letting you use HDMI cables, which we talked about on yesterday's show. But it does look like Harry Potter is going to be going, to, uh, going over to NBC Universal. On the one hand, listen, I'm not a massive potterhead. I I must admit I'm not a massive potterhead. And my autofocus is trying to focus on Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, I try to focus on Daniel Radcliffe too. On the one hand, this is understandable because, you know, pre-existing deals. But it does seem like if you're Warner Brothers, this is a significant misstep. This, This does seem like a significant misstep to me. You need to hold on to this franchise you got to do whatever it takes to hold on to this franchise especially in the midst of the streaming wars that we have right now where you got disney plus making a whole bunch of moves obviously you got amazon uh prime which is killing it right now we got hulu which is probably actually maybe my favorite streaming service is probably hulu you have all these other services out there It becomes incumbent that if you're a company like Warner Brothers and you got your own prime time major streaming service that you would have your major properties. Now, again, I understand there were deals that were signed prior to HBO Max being a real thing. But I think if you're HBO, remember how we were just talking that it doesn't really seem like it's financially worth it for Disney to pay all that money to get the streaming rights to the New Mutants back? Well, if you're Warner and HBO... It is worth the money to make sure you hold on to those streaming rights for Harry Potter. But who knows? Maybe Universal is pricing them out of it. That's the thing right now. question is, guys, what do you think about this? Are you an HBO Max subscriber? If so, is one of the reasons you got it so you could watch the Harry Potter movies. What do you think about the fact that it's leaving? It'll probably come back someday. But how many years is this deal for? We don't know. Jump down to the comment section below and let me know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down and out of the way, let's move on to the third main topic today. Second main topic today. Sorry about that. And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Geeky Gator. And Geeky Gator is in here and he's telling us, hey, John and gang. The head of the National Association of Theater Owners, John Fithian, recently said that studios should start releasing their new movies despite the fact that they will make less money because they will all have big holes in their balance sheets if they don't. Do you think studios should start rolling out their films in an untraditional approach or is this a biased statement from Fithian? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yes, for those of you who don't know what he's talking about, John Fithian... He is the head honcho of the organization of theater owners. They're called NATO, North American theater, theater owners. So that represents everything from the big major uh, theatrical chains, Regal, Cinemark, AMC, things like that, all the way down to smaller uh, theater owners, like even mama pop theater owners, a whole bunch of them belong to this NATO thing. John Fithian is kind of their head guy and he's their main spokesperson. Now, We know we just talked the other day about the fact that tenant has been, you know, bumped off the release schedule again. Right now, there's no new release date announced. They're still saying they're going to release it in 2020. Some people are doubting that. But Fithian, the head of NATO, was asked about this specifically. And yeah, he's basically saying he believes it is a mistake for for studios to be delaying the releases of their big movies right now. He said, now the studios have been great partners with us. They've stayed very much in communication with us. They always let us know what they're thinking. We knew about them delaying uh, Tenet long before they made it public. They've been great partners, but we think they're making a mistake. And here's his rationale, and it's not bad, but Fithia's rationale is this. Distributors should stick with their dates and release their movies because there's no guarantee that more markets will be open later this year. Until there's a vaccine that's widely available, there will not be 100% of the markets open. Because of that, films should be released in markets where it is safe and legal to release them. And that's about 85% of the markets in the U.S. and even more globally. They should release their movies and deal with this new normal. Studios may not want, may not make the same amount of money that they did before. But if they don't start distributing films, there's going to be a big hole in their balance sheets. This is a $42 billion a year business. Most businesses would take 85% of that instead of zero, which will be what happens if they wait for all the markets to open up. Now, once again, He also was very clear in saying, hey, we're not against the theaters or or, or the studios. They've been great partners. We appreciate that we have such open lines of communication, but make no mistake, we feel it is a mistake for them not to open these movies where and when they're available and able to be open. Now, one of the things that Robert Meyer Burnett often reminds us about is that you make money, you make movies, I should say, even the big studios. You make movies with borrowed money. And the longer your movie situation, and we're talking about money in the tens, sometimes hundreds of millions. And the longer you wait for these movies to be released, the more and more interest starts accumulating on those debts. And it becomes more and more of a burden, increasing the amount of money you need to make on these movies as you move forward and as you move along. In the situation like Tenant, I mean, it's an expensive movie. Tenant is like over a two hundred million dollar movie. Some some saying upwards of two hundred and fifty million dollar movie. That's going to be expensive to just sit on. That's going to be expensive to just sit on and not do anything with. So, <clears throat> the question arises: Should they, if you know, if there's a lot of theaters open come you know the end of July, if a, if eighty percent or eighty five percent of the markets in the United States are open and available and ready to you know open movies wouldn't it be smarter john fithian suggests wouldn't it be smarter for those studios to release those movies in the markets that are open and at least make that money back right now rather than sitting on the debt waiting for a day that right now you don't know how long you got to wait i personally don't know where i fall on this with all the movie theaters being closed i don't know where i fall on this like for instance right now Obviously, 85% of theaters are not open. Regal and AMC, they all said they're going to be opening their theaters at the end of July. I don't know if they're still going to open at the end of July with the fact that, you know, there's no new movies to show later in August. As of right now, I think. I think Mulan hasn't officially been pulled yet, but I expect it'll be pulled unless Disney does decide, you know what? If we can open our theater, our movies in 80% of markets right now, that's better for us. Because if we can open it in 80% of the US markets and open it in China, because I believe the runtime of Mulan is under three hours or under two hours. I believe the runtime is under two hours. So if that's the case, let's go ahead and release it. Let's go ahead and release it, get that money, and we'll deal with everything else later. I honestly don't know what the right approach is. I can see where the movie theaters are coming from saying, hey, listen. This is the new reality, guys. It's not about to get better in five weeks, but we've got a situation right now where we can open in about 80 to 85% of the markets. Let's take advantage of it, guys. I can see where they're coming from, but I can also see where the studios are coming from saying, this is such uncertain times, we wanna play it safer. So, I mean, I think there's different ways of looking at it. Question is for you guys. What do you think about the comments from NATO on this? Do you think the studios are making mistakes delaying? Because really, right now, they don't have an idea when they can even open it. Do you think they're digging themselves too much into a hole? Or do you think the studios are doing the right thing right now by delaying a bit? What do you think about this? Jump into the comments section below and let me know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's move into our third and final main topic today. And I want to warn you. If you are one of these people, and I know there are some of you, if you are one of these people who believes finding out anything about a movie is a spoiler, like, there's a dinner scene in the movie. Ah, spoiler! Like, if if you're very, very sensitive to even details that are going to be made public knowledge, you may want to skip over this topic because we're going to be talking about Wonder Woman 84 and the junior novelization that came out that gave away a bunch of the stuff At the beginning of the movie. We'll talk about that in a second. Here's the question today that gets submitted to us by Eric the green and Eric the green writes in, Hey guys, I've been reading some articles about wonder woman 84 and the fact that the novel version is coming out in a few weeks. I believe it's already available to be honest with you. That basically lays out everything that happens in the movie, but only the first two acts, not the third act. In it, they talk about a mystical relic called a dreamstone that people make wishes on. And that's how Wonder Woman gets Steve Trevor back. There's nothing wrong with that, but doesn't it seem kind of anticlimactic? Shouldn't there be some kind of bigger event or meaning behind Steve's return from the dead? What are your thoughts? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yes, let's talk about this for a second. So <clears throat> it has kind of been the bane of a lot of movies' existences talking about you know, extracurricular marketing materials that come out around a movie that sometimes gives stuff away. For example, one of the big, most famous ones is, of course, just before The Phantom Menace came out, they released the soundtrack. Remember, they released the soundtrack to Phantom Menace before the movie came out, and one of the tracks was titled Qui-Gon's Noble End. That, even by my very loose definition. Even I consider that a major spoiler. Qui-Gon's noble end. And of course there have been big spoilers that have been revealed as a result of toys and things like that. So here we've got this junior novelization novel. Uh, and actually, you know, I, let me pull it up here. It's on Amazon right now. It said it came out on July 7th. And if I order it right now, I'll get it by July 23rd. So there we go. It's available. This is the junior novelization. Now, this novelization, there are a bunch, you know, might notice it's got a, 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 only a, like a two and a half star rating. A lot of people are complaining because it's not the complete story. This junior novelization only gives away, only tells the story through the first two acts of the films and doesn't reveal the third act of the film, which is really where all the big major spoiler stuff will be. It doesn't reveal the third act of the film whatsoever. So anyway, I got this from over the folks over at Bleeding Cool who are talking about this situation, and here's some of the stuff that it reveals in this junior novelization. Now remember, this is all stuff that's now been publicly released. This is public information. It's only in the beginning of the movie. This isn't something from the third act of the film. So I expect the stuff that I'm about to read you is probably going to be in upcoming trailers. Whenever new trailers for Wonder Woman 84 come out, I'm expecting this stuff to be in those trailers. So if you're super sensitive to spoilers, you might want to avoid it, but here's what Bleeding Cool wrote about it. The thing that brings Steve Trevor back is called the Dream Stone. Dr. Destiny used the Dreamstone in the 1960s, and the stone was used in the infamous Sandman series. In this movie, it is a harmless-looking citrine, if I'm pronouncing citrine right, a uh, citrine ring that is brought to the Smithsonian were Diana and Barbara that's Cheetah and Barbara work as part of a seized collection of artifacts that were being smuggled into the United States this version of the dreamstone appears to have the ability to grant one wish and diana says it is an object imbued with the power of the gods like her lasso the, the wonder which god they wonder which god is connected to until they realize that whenever wherever the dreamstone goes destruction follows and this objects maker was the god of lies diana's wish was to bring steve back now again this is all from the opening part of the book I believe this whole, this whole Dreamstone thing, this is your MacGuffin of the movie. This is going to be in the trailers. So I I, I don't think, what by when I was reading this, I'm like, yeah, I'm not getting any major spoilers here. This is probably going to be in the, in the trailers. And it's in a publicly released book. If the studio thought this was going to be major spoilers, they wouldn't have put it in a junior novelization to come out. So that's where it is. So the question kind of then becomes, is this anticlimactic? You know, they, they ask the question, is this... You know, shouldn't have Steve coming back had something to do with a plan of the the surviving gods that Diana didn't realize were still around or something more complex or whatever rather than, oh, I found this ring. I wish Steve was alive. Steve's alive. Yay. Is that a little bit anticlimactic? It could be anticlimactic, I suppose. But like a lot of things, it's all about execution. If this is executed well and they really use this MacGuffin well, it could be really good. Now, according to the articles, this dreamstone isn't just a part of the story in bringing Steve back. The Dreamstone is actually pivotal to the entire movie. And it is, as I mentioned before, it's the MacGuffin of the rest of the movie. So I think that kind of means we're going to get bigger meaning. There's going to be more importance tied to Steve Trevor coming back and all that kind of stuff. So personally, I don't find it anticlimactic. And the idea of Diane stumbling, kind of like a genie's wish, like she's Aladdin in the cave of wonders and she stumbled across the lamp. She's in her Smithsonian and stumbles across this ring, makes a wish Steve's come back. Yeah. On its surface, it could sound a little anticlimactic. I get that. But I think it's, again, it's going to be all about execution. And I have no reason to doubt Patty Jenkins. I have absolutely no reason to doubt Patty Jenkins. What Patty Jenkins did in Monster, what Patty Jenkins did with the first Wonder Woman movie, I've got no reason not to believe that she's going to take this MacGuffin, be it a ring or whatever, and she's going to make it work. So I'm kind of excited, about it. I think they're going to do good things with it. The question is, guys... What do you think about that stuff that we read? Would you consider, again, I don't consider any of that a spoiler. This is all stuff that's going to be part of the setup of the movie. It's probably going to be in the trailers, and they already publicly released it in a novelization. I don't consider this spoiler material at all, but maybe some of you think it might be. What do you think? And is it anticlimactic, or does it sound like a really interesting MacGuffin to you? Jump down to the comments section below and let me know your thoughts. All right, guys with all that down and out of the way, let's now move on and start taking your live questions. And how do you send in a live questions to be part of the live question segment? It's really simple. Just go to the tip link in the top of the description of this video. You can just click it there, or you can enter it manually yourself, streammoments.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your question read on the show and you'll be supporting the channel at the same time. So it's a win-win. So anyway, with that down, Let's get into your questions. We're going to start off by get, by picking up on a couple of the leftover questions from yesterday. So let's get things started here. Actually, you know what? I'm going to turn on my AC because it's starting to get a little bit warm in the San Fernando Valley. All right. Here we go here. Star Wars Rocks writes, Hi, John. I'm just wondering how many other YouTubers have been emailed by YouTube themselves about an original movie that is being directed by Kevin McDonald called Day in a Life. Because I only have 12 subscribers on my channel. I'm confused. Well, I mean, it's not unusual that a company will send out mass emails to its members or subscribers, whether it's YouTube or something else, to promote something they have coming up. So that wouldn't be unusual. I personally have not received anything about this particular project. um, So I don't know if anybody else has. And, And, you know, maybe I did and it just went into my spam folder. I don't know, but I can tell you that I have not and whether sometimes when they do mass emails like this It doesn't matter if you have a million subscribers or one subscriber. You'll probably get that email But I can just tell you right now I'm I'm not familiar with this project and I didn't get any such email myself. All right. Sorry. Sorry I couldn't be more helpful with that Star Wars All right, the man writes hey John debate I'm having with friends and wanted your take who had the best comedic three movie run back to back to back Will Ferrell for old school Elf and Anchorman, that's a good one. Adam Sandler, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Waterboy, that's a good one. Or Jim Carrey, oh this one, Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura, Mask, Dumb and Dumber, yeah I go that one. Yeah that one. I listen that string of Ferrell movies, great. That string of Sandler movies, great. I'm a particularly big fan of Waterboy, uh but great. But Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura. Mask, which I think is a tremendously underrated film. I love Mask. And Dumb and Dumber, considered by a lot of people to be one of the, like, the funniest movies ever made. I got to go with that one. The other ones are all great. These are three tremendous options you're presenting here, the man. But I personally got to lean with the Jim Carrey one. Uh, especially with Dumb and Dumber. And, and yeah, I got to go with the Jim Carrey one. What do you guys think about that? All right. Star Wars Ross, right? The movie is actually called... Uh, Life in a day. Oh, my bad. Again, I still haven't heard of it, unfortunately. But again, um, I wouldn't worry too much about it. I I wouldn't read too much into it. It's probably just mass marketing. Or or another option here is sometimes organizations like YouTube or others that have big user bases, they'll just select a certain number to send it out kind of like a test to see what kind of response it gets. So, (laughs) yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe you just got selected to be a part of a test group. Who knows? All I know is that I myself haven't heard of it, and I haven't personally gotten any information of it unless it went straight to my spam folder, in which case I would never know. All right. Chris Jordan writes, "Uh, hi, big fan from the UK. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Uh, cinema near me has opened and so far i've seen just mercy nice harry potter one we were just talking about harry potter shawn of the dead one of the greats Uh, empire strikes back lawrence of arabia first time nice you got to see lawrence of arabia for the first time on the big screen that's the way to watch it one of my all-time favorite films and tonight is pulp fiction hope cinemas are safe to open over there soon i mean yeah i i I don't know the thing is most countries around the world are doing a much better not all but most countries around the world are are doing a much better job of dealing with this pandemic than the country i'm currently living in is um the reasons are plentiful but yeah everybody else seems to be doing a much better job (laughs) than the u.s is and i'm glad that you're able to enjoy some of the fruits of that labor and you're able to go to those theaters and see films like this and again it's about looking for the silver lining right the silver lining in this horrible situation is hey with theaters open and no new movies, we're getting a chance to see some of these classics on the big screen again. That's great. And I'm glad you're being able to take advantage of it, Chris. I hope you're con- you'll continue to be able to take advantage of that in the days moving forward. All right, next up. Johnny writes, hey, John and Rob. Of course, Rob's not here today, unfortunately. Just finished the first season of Snowpiercer. I thought it was good. Much better than the movie, in my opinion. Had some problems with the last episode, but overall, I really like to have you seen it. Thanks and stay safe. Nah, I haven't watched it. Uh, there's just There's a lot. I don't watch a ton of TV. I don't watch a ton of TV. And that is definitely one of the things I haven't watched. And you know what's funny? Snowpiercer, the movie. I'm one of the rare fish in the pond that I didn't love it. I liked it. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I like Snowpiercer with Chris Evans. I liked it. But I didn't flip out and lose my mind over it like a lot of my friends have. Like there are a lot of my friends who are like, oh my God, this is one of the greatest movies ever made. And that's great. And I know a lot of people are like that. I enjoyed it, but I, I enjoyed it. And then I moved on from it and never really went back to it. And I certainly didn't like it enough that I was interested in going and watching a series. Although, to be fair, I've heard from other people. You're, you're not the first person I've heard from people that said Snowpiercer is a really good show. I've heard it's quite good. And uh, maybe at some point I'll sit down and give it a shot. I don't know. You know what I just started watching last night? Anne and I were flipping through Netflix looking for something to watch. And we came across this one on Netflix called Cursed. It's kind of based around the Arthurian kind of legend with Arthur and Merlin and stuff like that. But it's really about this girl when Merlin and Arthur were both younger. And it's about it, the focus of the show is this girl. We watched the first episode. Not bad. I might give it. A, I might give a second episode a shot. Not sure yet. We'll have to wait and see. Anyway, thanks for the recommendation, Johnny. I'll add that to the list, man. All right. Uh, our friend Kevin Rubio writes in uh both kong and godzilla's mother have the same name i know i know i've i've heard like that's a lot of i've heard that joke so many times about kong and godzilla be fighting until they realize they both have the same mother's the same name again i get it martha why did you say that name i get it but i want to encourage people if you have not tried it yet go and watch my video that i did years ago called Defending the Martha Scene. Just go on YouTube, search Defending the Martha Scene. I made this video years ago because I believe there's more meaning to that scene than just the joke of, you said your mother's name is the same as mine. We're best friends. Or kind of like, you know, stepbrothers. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Anyway, I think there's a lot more meaning to that scene. And uh, I want to encourage you, go go and check out that video when you get a chance. But they'll have the same name. Uh, by the way, I always plug whenever Kevin writes in, if you've never seen the single greatest fan film of all time, it's also one of the original, one of the OG Star Wars fan films ever made. And it is to this day the best one ever done. It's called Troops. And you, you definitely got to go and look it up uh, because it's fantastic. Anyway, um, Yo-Yo Man 93 writes, Harlow Reporter just announced, of course, this was from yesterday, just announced tenant delayed again and likely to release overseas first. How do you feel about this? Well, we don't know that it's going to release overseas first. One of the things that the chairman of Warner Brothers did say, uh, uh, Toby Emmerich said, is that we're not going to do a more traditional release. Now, some people interpreted that as meaning they're going to put it out on streaming. But in the exact same statement like everybody's just quoting that first part of a statement. But if you continue to read his statement, Toby Emmerich goes on to say that we remain 100% committed to the theatrical exhibition of this movie. So I don't think when he says we're going to do a non-traditional release, he wasn't talking about putting Tenant on streaming. Christopher Nolan <laughs> would have a conniption. Um, but it is open to a lot of speculation though. what they mean is, you know what? They may very well just release it internationally and then release it in the United States when they can. Something that even a month ago I would have thought was impossible. But the more and more this whole situation evolves, the impossible becomes possible. So we'll see. Again, it's not official. Them saying they're going to release it overseas first is speculative. That's a speculation. But with today's environment, it's not impossible to believe that speculation. So let's see how that kind of turns out. All right. Magic K writes, two-hour limited rule for China theater is not mandatory. Some of the films re-release in the theater now are already two hours plus. Again, I I can only tell you what I've been reading on all the major outlets. And all the outlets are saying this is a movie moving forward. This is a rule, a two-hour limit in the Chinese theaters, at least for now. So we'll see how this evolves. For those of you who missed yesterday's show, China, at least according to IndieWire, Hollywood Reporter, whatever – China has allowed movie theaters to open, but they're saying they to keep people exposed as limited as possible, two-hour limit on the movies. Because their rationale, right or wrong, their rationale is, if you're in a room with somebody who has COVID, the longer you stay in that room, the higher the chances get that you could contract it. I, I mean, and that that's a fair thing to say. That is a fair thing to say. I don't know if I agree with that as a basic for logic to minimize your movies to two hours, but we'll have to see how that kind of evolves. All right. Drake uh, Kinuin writes, hello from Canada. Hello, Drake. Uh, do you think companies could launch their movies on their streaming services, but charge per viewing on top of the monthly service to act like a movie ticket for theatrical films? Could this be an option to make up some loss in revenue? You could, but there are a couple of major pitfalls to that major pitfall number one and this isn't the biggest one so let's start with the smaller one first major pitfall number one is the same problem with any major movie trying to release on VOD you're not going to make anywhere near the money that you would putting it in theaters because what are you going to charge for it 20 bucks great in Los Angeles 20 bucks buys me one movie ticket now I can have seven people sitting down in my living room and watching the movie for 20 bucks they're losing incredible amounts of money But that may not be the worst option if you're just trying to make the best of a bad situation. The second pitfall, though, and this is the major one for the specific scenario you're proposing here, Drake, at least from from where I'm sitting, is this. You would have a revolt amongst your user base because we as customers we're very diva-ish we are come on we are I am you are. as we, as consumers we are very diva-ish we are and maybe we have a right to be but if Disney plus for example came out and said <clears throat> all right we're gonna release soul on Disney plus okay you're gonna lose tons of money but all right you're gonna release soul on Disney plus I'm a paying member of Disney plus great But on top of your monthly membership, you also have to spend $25. Maybe that's not unreasonable. Maybe. Maybe that's not unreasonable. It's possible that is not unreasonable. But people would be pissed. Consumers do not like being charged extra for something, the amount of revolt that you would get from Disney Plus subscribers going, hold the hell up. I already pay for Disney Plus. If you're putting on Disney Plus, you give me the movie. I mean, that's what a lot of people say. And maybe it wouldn't be unreasonable for Disney to pay, to charge a little bit extra from that. But I'm telling you, there would be such a crap storm. There would be such a crap storm. Can you imagine if HBO Max tried to do that? Like, say, you know what? <clears throat> We're going to put Tenant on HBO Max. Hey, great. I pay for HBO Max. I already have HBO Max. Uh, but you got to pay for HBO Max and you got to pay $23. People would freak out. I'm not saying people should freak out. I'm just telling you, and you know it's true. People would freak out. So two pitfalls. One, it would be a huge money loss proposition for them. But the bigger one is I think they would face a, a little bit of a revolt amongst their user base. So I don't know. We'll have to see. All right. Next up. Uh, where are we at here? Uh, Odai writes, one of two. Man, Peacock sucks. Massive booty. I was so disappointed when I found out last Wednesday that I couldn't stream directly from my phone to my smart TV uh, like I usually can using another streaming service. Especially disappointed since NBC decided... Um, to stream all their English Premier football matches through the service that day, basically, it ended up looking like this: four stoners huddled up around a phone. Not good, Geo. Not good. I, 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 I agree. Listen, Peacock. Despite the fact that I make fun of the name all the time, Peacock is a very interesting idea by NBC Universal, a streaming platform with three different tiers: a free tier that's ad-supported, with you know a lot of content. A $5 a month tier with even more content and then like a $10 or $15 or $20 a month tier that gets you even more content with no ads. It's a very interesting experiment and I applaud them for what they're doing and they've got some good content. Hell, it looks like they're about to get all the Harry Potter movies too. But they are effing this up so badly. Like, it was bad enough that they are trying to launch without being on the two largest streaming platforms in the world, Roku and Amazon Fire. And then they they purposefully put in a restriction that you can't use your HDMI cable. Which, there's a lot of people, I myself have done this. I've had a streaming service on my laptop that's not available on a, a streamer like a Roku or whatever. Okay, I play it on my laptop. I plug an HDMI cable into my laptop and plug that cable into my big 75 inch television that's hanging over the fireplace so i can sit down and still watch it but they're not letting you do that they're specifically restricting you from doing that and um, yeah i i I agree they just continue to f this up and i i just don't understand their logic you can go back and see rob and i discuss that more in detail on yesterday's show we we talked about that for like 10 minutes anyway uh, i feel your pain odai i feel your pain all right ben rayner writes Hey John, Cyborg's dad in Doom Patrol, not as uh, uh, not only uh, Jackie Childs in Seinfeld, but he also played John Jones, AKA Martian Manhunter on Smallville. Oh, maybe that's where I rem- that maybe that's where I recognized him from uh, in later seasons. Also wanted to ask: Final Act in Endgame, great on its own, or does twenty-two movie buildup pay off? Okay, there's two different ways to answer that. Endgame is the ending of Endgame is is very good on its own but it's nowhere near the impact or the special without the 20 plus movie buildup. A lot of that ending, that whole ending battle sequence, a lot of the big pop comes from the foundation and our knowledge of the 20 plus films that came before it. That's not to say without the 20 film buildup that the ending of Endgame is useless. Not at all. I know people who had never seen a single MCU movie, but watched Endgame and enjoyed that ending. But I'd say at least 50% of the potency is gone without the fact that it wasn't just the climax of a single movie. It was the climax of a 20 plus film buildup. Like you don't get a big pop in the audience when you hear over a little speaker on your left. You don't get that huge pop. Without the previous 20 films, Mjolnir flying into Captain America's hand, that's a a big scene. But it's not the blood rushing to every member of your extremities jumping out of your seat kind of exciting without the the knowledge of the previous stuff. So still very good on its own. But yes, it is very much, Endgame as a whole is very much the beneficiary of a 20-film buildup. It's still good as a standalone film. You can watch that movie having not watched anything else and still have a good time, but nowhere near as much, nowhere near as much. At least that's my take on it. Okay. Old man play, uh, playing rights, gender swap, Hard reboot with Charlize Theron. You could do it. But I would also suggest we're already getting lots of great action films with Charlize Theron, whether it's Atomic Blonde or Old Guard. I, I really like Old Guard. It's not the best movie of the year or anything, but I really like Old Guard, and I don't like a lot of Netflix original movies. Actually, I like very few of them, but Old Guard to me is a winner. Um, anyway, you're already getting a lot of great high action with Charlie Theron. I don't think you need to do Die Hard to, to scratch that itch. You know what I'm saying? But hey, don't get me wrong. If they announced they were restarting Die Hard because Bruce Willis doesn't give a crap when he doesn't put forth even 5% effort anymore when he does movies, which is too bad because he's so great. Anyway, uh, if you want to reboot Die Hard, let you know. Let me put it this way: I would rather, at this point, because this kind of came up the other day, I would rather see them reboot Die Hard with Charlize Theron than try to do another Die Hard movie with Bruce Willis. I mean, that's just where we're at today. But again, I'm already getting my action, my action fix with Charlize Theron. And if you haven't checked out Old Guard, I do recommend it. I had a good time with it. All right, next up, Star Wars Writes, Hey, John, I sent you a screenshot of the email I got in a PM on Discord. I don't know if you've looked at it yet, though. No, I, we basically kind of shut down our Discord. Well, no, it's still there. We still have our Discord there for our Patreon supporters to use. But we had all these grand plans for Discord. Like, I remember, and it was specifically for our Patreon supporters, but we were going to use Discord to do this, and we were going to do, like, post-show chats and all this stuff with Discord, because everybody told me, asked me for a long time to start using Discord, and we we tried it for a little bit, but no nobody was really interested in using it. Obviously, Discord is a very well-used platform, but... Not a lot of our own Patreon supporters were very interested in using. So I honestly haven't even been. And I announced in our Facebook group a long time ago that we were pulling back on Discord and now we're using it. So I have not seen anything in Discord for months. I haven't used the Discord server in months, to be honest with you. But if you ever want to email me something, just email it to me at john at com. That's john at com, And I'll get it that way, Star Wars Rocks. Uh, Misfit Dre writes... Have you seen the Doom Patrol episode Finger Patrol I have that's the latest one uh where it is the candlemaker versus baby doll wow that and that wow what an ending I'm still in shock I I was floored Again listen I know you guys hear me drone on and on about Doom Patrol a lot It is a special show It is one of the most unique shows I've ever seen I describe it as Shakespeare is the architect. Kevin Smith is the interior decorator. That's kind of what the show feels. It's bonkers off the wall ridiculous while having incredible narrative and character depth all at the same time. It's Shakespeare disguised as Kevin Smith. That's the best way I know how to describe Duper. If you haven't checked it out yet, you must watch. And I agree. Uh, And and then, sorry, that wasn't the latest episode. I also watched the episode after that where they go to space. Incredible stuff. Absolutely incredible stuff. All right. um, Jordan Matthews writes, Hey, John, finally got to go back to the theater and saw Empire Strikes Back. Nice and had a great time. I haven't seen Empire on the big screen in a lot of years, man. Uh, Also, how's it going to work with previews and commercials in Chinese theaters? Do they apply to the two hour rule? Thanks and have a great day. I don't know. And listen, I, I don't know this. I'm just making a guess. I doubt Chinese theaters do as bad of a job as north american theaters do with their trailers i love trailers i do i love hell i'm doing a documentary right now i am working on a documentary about movie trailers right now i love movie trailers but it has gotten obscene how long they play movie trailers for before a movie starts You tell me movie starts at seven and I pay you money for a ticket for a seven o'clock show. Don't be starting my movie at seven twenty nine or seven thirty. Like we seriously get twenty five minutes of trailers. It's ridiculous. I doubt. I don't know this. I'm speculating, but I'm willing to bet money that China doesn't do it like that. I bet China has a lot less than that. And so my guess is, Jordan, because that's a great question, but my guess is and it's just a guess that it's not nearly as much as an issue there as it is here. So my guess is it probably doesn't take, you know, the pre-roll into account. It says all together, two-hour max length of a movie, however much longer that's added with the trailers and whatever, which probably isn't as much as they do it here. And it is a obscene amount they do here. They've got to do something about it. But, yeah, there's that. All right, good question, man. Ryan Loner writes, following on yesterday's comment, Jackie – uh Child's, uh, Cyborg's dad was actually a recurring character on Seinfeld as the spoof. Oh, if Johnny Cochran, he was that's no, I said maybe it was the um maybe it was the smallville thing there. No, it's him as Johnny the Johnny Cochran character, the lawyer. He was even in the final episode. He was in the series finale of Seinfeld as the lawyer. Uh, in that case where they where they send Jerry and and um, Kramer and George and and uh, I think Elaine as well goes to prison. And I think he's the lawyer involved with in that case. You're absolutely right. That's where I recognize him from. It was probably just like, I know, I know this guy. The guy who plays Cyborg's dad in Doom Patrol. Like, I know this guy. Where have I seen him before? That's where I saw him before. Thank you so much for pointing that out, Ryan. I appreciate that. All right. Nate Smith writes, I love it when, when our viewers write in really great pieces of information, not just for me, but for all of you guys as well. Anyway, Nate Smith writes, John. Uh, the Donald uh, Belisario question was mine the other day. Oh, about the TV producer, right? Who it's like responsible for all the great TV shows. And I was never even aware of him. Uh, Belisario is a legend in TV. Mark Harmon wouldn't have a TV career if it wasn't for Belisario. Uh, but I do love Harmon's movie, The Presidio. That's another good one of his. Yes, with Sean Connery and Meg Ryan. Great movie. I do like that one. But But again, when you talk about Mark Harmon, look, obviously, Mark Harmon's been doing this NCIS show or whatever the letters are. For like 16, 17 years. Like one of the most successful runs of TV shows ever in history. But it doesn't matter how long it runs. It doesn't matter how many awards he wins. When I think of Mark Harmon, I don't even think of the Presidio. When I think of Mark Harmon, I think of summer school. I always have. I always will. To me, that is the image of Mark Harmon I will always have. Forever and ever. Oh, man that's that's the one but that's a good one that's a good one to point out there Nate Smith well done all right Nick writes hey John what do you think is the most underrated theme in all of movies personally I think the best and most underrated is burning Homestead when Luke returns home and finds his home destroyed and it signals the start of the hero's journey uh that's it's hard I don't know I honestly don't know when I think of of you know soundtrack music particularly scores in music I think of the big pieces the ones that we all already know You know, uh, Howard Shore's Lord of the Rings stuff, anything by uh, John uh, Williams, uh, Hans Zimmer, you know, all these big ones. Actually, just this morning, I was again listening to What Are You Going to Do When You're Not Saving the World? It's a long title. What Are You Going to Do When You're Not Saving the World by Hans Zimmer? It's, of course, basically the Superman theme boom i i i can listen to that song every day at least once or twice a week when i get in my shower before starting the show when i get in my shower i say i got to say it quietly i got i got to say hey google play what are you going to do when you're not saving the world by Hans Zimmer and it plays that and I'm in my shower like I'm just kind of rocking out it's as ridiculous a sight as you can possibly imagine uh but yes but I don't really know about the underrated ones I I don't know because my mind just goes to the bigger ones so I'm not sure but that's a good pick Nick that one's a good pick all right Nick also writes also, have you ever considered streaming on Twitch and making the VODs only available to subscribers? I listen to you more than I use Spotify, and I know that uh, so much other people do, too. Uh, people can still listen for free, but to rewatch, they need to be subbed. I have considered all sorts of possibilities <clears throat> like that in others um, for over a year now. Ever since that whole thing with YouTube and You know, you have to designate whether your video is for kids or not, and you can be fined up to $70,000 for every... I mean, ever since that, but also there have been other issues. Um, I've been kind of contemplating and looking for alternatives to YouTube. Uh, And don't get me wrong. I love YouTube. I do YouTube. I mean, for free service, it's crazy. They make a lot of money off me, but for me, it's it's a free service, essentially. Um, Twitch, I don't know if twitch is the right platform for me i don't know but listen i have thought i the best option i came up with the best option i came up with was making the john campia show exclusively for patreon supporters exclusively for patreon supporters and every day i would put up one or two of the segments up on youtube just as a way for people to continue to, to discover the John Campus show and find it and maybe want to sign up to get the full two-hour show every day I have considered that and i'm not gonna lie. It's something. I still consider. I, I still think about it I I haven't I think there are a few drawbacks to it, but here's the thing if I just had hell if I had 15,000 subscribers that's plenty Oh, 10,000 subscribers. If I had 10,000 subscribers, that would be well more than enough. Hell, if I had 7,000 subscribers, that would be well more enough, well enough for me to pay Ray and Jonathan and Rob and my, my, my own bills and then all the expenses that go along the John Campus show, the studio of the equipment, the, the software services that I have to rent on. It would be more than enough to do all that. If all we had was 7,000 subscribers. I wouldn't need thirty thousand viewers a day. I just need those seven thousand subscribers. So I've thought about it. I've thought about it, um, but I've never really gotten close to pulling that trigger. I've never, I've never really gotten close to pulling that trigger. Um, I think this is the way we're doing it for now. Probably will be the way we do moving forward. But I'm always up and open to better ideas. I'm always open to better ideas, Nick. Thanks for sharing your thought, man. All right, next up, Tyler Yeats writes, "Hey, John." A nearby theater is playing older movies this weekend. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban and Avengers. Nice. will be there. I really want to go as I love both, but want to be sure they're keeping. They are keeping. I want to go, but not sure. Uh, They are keeping. I don't, I don't mind wearing a mask. You want to be sure they are keeping what? Like keeping people safe. I mean, I would just call the theater saying, Hey, what are your safety protocols for your theater? And if they don't have many, don't go. If they say we require massive of who enters the theater, uh, we have social distancing in our seating, we have gap seating, reduced show times, blah, 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 then I would go. I mean, again, my whole rationale is this. I feel safer going into a movie theater, and I'm only speaking for myself. I would feel safer going into a movie theater with those types of precautions than I do going into a grocery store. I mean, We got to go into grocery stores to get our food, but we are going into grocery stores. And I would honestly feel safer in a movie theater that had the right safety precautions in place. So I would give them a call. And again, you don't have to agree with me. You don't have to agree with me. It's fine if you don't. But if they had those precautions, hand sanitizer everywhere, requiring everybody who enters the building to be wearing masks, requiring people to be wearing masks if they're not eating food, having space between the seats and all that kind of stuff so you're not up against other people. If they did all that, I would personally feel comfortable going. There's still a risk but they've minimized the risk. And that's what it's about, at least for me. Anyway, good question, Tyler. And again, I would say, give the theater a call and ask them specifically, what are your safety procedures right now? And if they give you enough safety procedures and you feel comfortable with it, go. If not, don't go and just wait. And that's the best thing to do. All right. Thanks for asking, Tyler. All right. Next up, Steve Morgan writes, huge fan since amc thank you so much steve uh, two of my favorite things are superman and building gaming pcs have you seen the henry cavill building a pc video on youtube i have it's great listen i have been a big fan of of henry cavill ever since he was in the Tudors. and when they cast him as superman i remember a lot of people going well, we've never heard of this guy and i remember all my videos saying guys i've seen this dude he's a really good actor And by the way, he was the runner-up for James Bond, and he was the runner-up to play Superman when Brandon Routh played Superman. I also love Brandon Routh as Superman, by the way. I think Brandon Routh is great. But Henry Cavill is my all-time favorite Superman. But also, I mean, I just fell in love with the dude. And I've met Henry Cavill a couple of times. I've had several occasions to get together with Henry Cavill, sit down and talk to him. But I really fell in love with the dude when I found out that he got the phone call that he got the Superman role while he was playing World of Warcraft. And you guys know I'm a big World of Warcraft guy. So uh, so it's like he is a complete gaming nerd. And yes, for those of you who haven't seen it, Henry Cavill put up a video the other day of him building a gaming PC while wearing a tank top. And I'll never forget this. <clears throat> the headline on one of the movie news sites was, this was the real headline. Henry Cavill builds gaming PC in a tank top impregnates thousands which is a ridiculous headline but also pretty glorious and yeah it's cool it's it's nice seeing because you know all these actors will profess oh I've read comic books my whole life I bet a lot of them never have I love playing video games I bet a lot of them haven't but it's nice seeing a guy who is a through and through true geek like Henry Cavill uh, doing this sort of stuff so yeah it was a fabulous uh, fabulous uh, video. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. Just look up Henry Cavill Building PC. It's great. All right. Next up, Cinema uh, Reviews writes, Yesterday I watched The Lighthouse. Crazy movie. And then that night I watched Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire with my parents. Which means I watched two movies in a row that involved Robert Pattinson and Mermaids. <laughs> Funny coincidence. True. Two very, very different Robert Pattinson movies. But listen, one of the great things about Pattinson, which, which is one of the reasons why When they announced Robert Pattinson and everybody cried, well, the Twilight boy. And I I was one of the only guys online going, hold up, guys, hold up, time out. He's a great actor. And you've never seen, I bet, dollars to dimes that most of you guys have never seen uh, all these smaller films that he's done over the past seven years where he has made himself a go-to guy that a lot of directors want to work with Including Christopher Nolan, because, of course, Tenet's going to come out someday. Someday. Uh, This dude is a phenomenal actor. And that's why he can be in a movie like Harry Potter. And then five minutes, not really five minutes later, but then you can put him on and watch him in a movie like Lighthouse. Where he's acting alongside Willem Dafoe. Both of which are giving kind of Academy-level performances. And whose chemistry on stream was dynamic. He's that kind of guy, and he's that kind of actor. So that is very extreme, different Robert Pattinson movies, but uh, Robert Pattinson movies nonetheless. All right, next up, Steve Morgan writes Hey, John, huge fan I watch every day since AIM. Oh, you like the question so much, Steve? That was Steve, right? You sent, oh, you accidentally sent it in twice. No biggie. I'll answer it again. Yes, I have seen the video, and yes, it was glorious. Absolutely glorious. Thanks for supporting the channel, Steve. All right, Il Postino, the postman writes. Hey, John and gang, what is the worst movie you have ever seen? Uh, what is the worst movie you have ever seen? Uh, please describe your experience, uh, the first and presumably only time you saw that movie. Well, I mean, I've I've always told you guys, I have what I call, I've spoke about this many times, the unholy trinity of the three all-time worst wide-released the, uh, Hollywood films. The three worst all-time wide-released Hollywood films are, in no particular order, Battlefield Earth with John Travolta, The Highlander 2 with Sean Connery and Christopher Lambert, and Catwoman with Halle Berry. These, to me, represent the absolute worst um, movies ever produced by big Hollywood studios that got wide release. And I still remember, I mean, I just remember all of them just hating them all, but particularly Highlander 2 because the first Highlander is in my top 10 all-time favorite. That's the crazy part. I've got a Highlander movie in my top 10 all-time favorite movies, but in my unholy trinity of the worst is the sequel Highlander 2. And I just remember being, it's the first time I remember coming out of a movie And watching a movie being completely bewildered, disappointed, disillusioned. Um, I mean, every negative connotation you can think of, I came up with. But again, The Unholy Trinity, Battlefield, Earth, Catwoman, Highlander 2, in no particular order. All right. uh, Con Conjampia writes, hey, John, love the show. Thank you so much. Out of curiosity, what's the highest sub count you guys ever had during the movie talk days? Has your channel passed them when they were at their peak? That's a good question. I'm not. I can't remember. Now we were closing in when I was at Collider. We were closing in on 300,000 subscribers. So I'm not at 300,000. By the time when I left, by the time I left, we were closing on 300,000 subscribers. At AMC, we might, I, my channel might have more subscribers than AMC did when I left AMC. It might. I'm not really sure. Ultimately, though, you know, when it really comes down to it, what I've learned is that subscriber count is very unimportant. Now, don't get me wrong. Every once in a while, you'll still hear me say, hey, guys, subscribe to my channel. And sure, yes, please do subscribe to my channel. But... <clears throat> You know, there are, there are channels that have slightly less subscribers than I do, but get more monthly views than I do. There are also channels that have literally, there's one big particular channel in my sphere that has like five to 10 times the amount of subscribers I do, but I have more monthly views than they do. And, and so it goes both ways. Ultimately, it's really subscriber count doesn't mean an awful lot. It means something. And it's better to have more subscribers than not. And I'm very happy to have like well over 200,000 subscribers. I That's great. I'm super thrilled with that. That's awesome. But I also know it's not the most important thing. So I, my guess is I'm guessing I have more subscribers now than I did at AMC. But I don't have as many subscribers as we did when I left Collider. Now, of course, when I had Collider, I had a team of 20 people when I was at Collider, right? So um, so yeah, so there it is. That's my best guess. Good question. Thanks for asking. All right, Tiberius writes, hey, John and gang. A few days ago, you listed the themes of Knight Rider and Airwolf as favorites. Yep. I'll submit Rockford Files and Magnum PI. Magnum PI. Yeah, that was a really good one. The Magnum PI thing, the Rockford Files, I can't remember the Rockford Files one. That was before my day. Rockford Files was before my day. James, that was the famous James Garner show. Uh, I don't remember the theme, but you're right, man. The Magnum PI theme, the the 80s version of Magnum PI was a great theme. Uh, For considering, no matter where I am or what I'm doing, just hearing them brings a smile to my face. Yeah, the Magnum PI one is a really great one. I still stick with Airwolf. I mean, Knight Rider is great, too. It's great. But the Airwolf theme is still my number one, uh, absolute one. But you've just listed a really good one with Magnum P.I. Nice one, Tiberius. All right, Murray Reich writes... I think we can take a lesson Out of this whole pandemic Is that because movies like Tenant cost a lot In the future studios should follow Jason Blum formula strategy Of you can make great films Even with 7 million dollar budgets And still make a massive profit Yeah but listen it's also a mistake to think That's the way to do it right Because listen For every movie that's like A Blumhouse movie that spent Like pocket change on making a movie And they made good profit like Invisible Man. Invisible Man didn't make a ton of movie at the box at the box a ton of movie. Invisible Man didn't make a ton of money at the box office. Um, um but it made 129 million dollars. Now, for some movies, that would be considered a massive flop. But the fact of the matter is, Invisible Man only cost 7 million dollars to make. 7 million dollars. 7 million dollars. Martin Scorsese's next, you know, period piece drama is going to cost 200 million dollars. Blumhouse made Invisible Man for 7 million dollars, made 129 million at the box office. They made a lot of money. They made a lot of money. However, we must not forget that for every movie like a Blumhouse movie that's made for 7 to 10 million dollars, for everyone that's an invisible man that makes huge profit, the vast majority of them really don't do anything. You can't forget that. You've got to keep that in mind. You know, it, it reminds me of when, you know, Deadpool came out, an R-rated comic book movie, and made a lot of money. Everybody automatically thought, well, all comic book movies should be R-rated movies. But we all forgot that there were like 10 plus R-rated comic book movies before that, most of which flopped and didn't do great, right? And we forgot about that. We always think, oh, if it happens once, that should become the new normal. So it's not the norm. What Jason Blum does, and and with Blumhouse, what they're able to do is very special and very unique. What it tells you though, I don't think the lesson is you should make your movies for $7 million. I think the lesson is you can make great movies without needing to spend $250 million to make a great movie. But I also believe there's always going to be a place and a need for all types of movies. There is a place and a time for some $200 million blockbusters. There's a place and a time for a $7 million film. There's a place and a time for a 1 million ultra low-budget movies, you know, like the um, Blair Witch Project or you know, or, or um, uh, what's the other horror one with the found footage in the house with the ghost. Right, I can't even remember the name of that uh, horror franchise now. Anyway, there's, there's room and a place for all of them. The answer is not all movies have to start doing this. I think it's just studios need to remember there are all different types of movies and they should invest in all of them. And maybe if you're thinking about spending $250 million on a movie, maybe there's probably a way you can spend a lot less. Not 7 million, but you probably don't need 250 million. Listen, District 9, which we all love, District 9 was made for like 30 something million dollars. Incredible visual effects heavy movie made for like somewhere between 30 and $60 million. It was really cheap. You can make these blockbusters for less, but they don't all need to be $7 million movies. But I think there are lessons to be learned there, Marie. I think you're absolutely right about that. All right, next up. Murray Reich also writes, I don't know if you've heard, uh, but the Blue Jays are moving. Yes, I have heard about this. The Blue Jays are moving their home games to Buffalo due to the Canadian government denying them uh, because of coronavirus spreading, which makes sense, I suppose. But still, that sucks for them, though. Yeah, it does. So for those of you who don't know what's going on, the Canadian government and the, the reason the, the coronavirus has flatlined in Canada while it's still massively spiking in the US is because the Canadian government took it much more seriously and the canadian people also took it much more seriously and now they've they've really got it under control but the canadian government has said that the toronto blue jays are not allowed to play home games in toronto because the united states has done a terrible job containing the coronavirus so they don't want teams of americans coming across the border and they don't want the Toronto Blue Jays constantly going into the U.S. where there's a massive COVID problem and then coming back into the country and doing that 80 times back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Canadian government has just said no. <laughs> it's, the the borders are still closed. Canada has built their wall, basically. Um, it's funny. A lot of countries around the world right now won't let Americans travel to their country because this country has done. I love this country. There's a reason I live here. I love this country, but this country has done a piss poor, pathetic job of dealing with the pandemic. And it's just the reality. And every other country in the world is like, yeah, you guys suck at that. So we're closing. We're, we're not letting your people travel here uh, under regular circumstances. And the Canadian government, I think they've made a very smart decision. I mean, it's just not safe for them to just allow a team to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth across the border right now while... The pandemic is is at the problem levels that it is when Canada's done a good job of dealing with it. So it's a tough situation. It's difficult and it does suck for them. I get it. But guess what? They can still play. Just go into the U.S. and stay there, you know, and play the games out of Buffalo. Great. So there is a solution there. The Blue Jays will still be able to play. It's a nice little boost for Buffalo. Buffalo's going to have some pro sports being played there while the Bills aren't playing. Great. And while the Sabres are playing, all the Sabres are coming back here today soon. Um, So it sucks, but it was necessary. Yeah. Anyway, uh, John uh, Klobuchar writes, fun fact, Stanley's catchphrase Excelsior can be seen on the New York state flag. Uh, That is interesting since Marvel Entertainment is located in New York. Coincidence? Yes. Absolute coincidence. The word Excelsior was around... Uh, before Stan... I don't think Stan Lee created the word Excelsior. I could be mistaken about that, but I don't think he created the word Excelsior. So I think that was around before. So I do... I could be wrong about this, by the way. I could be wrong about this, but I do believe it is an absolute coincidence. Uh, So yeah, there's that. Anyway, next up, Lewis M. writes, "Uh, Hey, John, my girlfriend can't dislike a movie. I've shown her terrible movies behind the other, and she genuinely likes them. I've tried movies like Battlefield Earth, Aloha, and Transformers, uh, Revenge of the Fallen. Uh, do you have any movies that might work? Well, I mean, listen, some people have a gift that they're just able to really enjoy hard work. Because, listen, even all my unholy trinity, like Highlander 2, Battlefield Earth, Catwoman, some very talented people worked very hard to make those movies. Take Take none of that away. Some very talented people put in a lot of very hard work to make those movies. And if your girlfriend has the gift of being able to appreciate that uh, regardless of the quality of the film, that's a gift to be... I wish I had that gift. I'm not going to lie. I wish I had that gift. I really do. So don't try to, don't try to, you know, yuck on her yum on this. You should just appreciate that She's got that gift because that means you can take her to watch almost anything. And you at least know she's gonna have a good time And that is a gift my friend treat it as a gift treat it as a gift. All right, John our goat Rodriguez writes It's been a while since my last question. I feel about ba- oh, don't feel bad about it, dude. if you want to send in a question and support That's great. You're under no obligation. Don't feel bad about that, dude um, I was fired from my job of nearly two years by my boss His reason for firing me when I asked was I don't like you <laughs> What a way to go. 2020 is no one's year. Oh, that sucks, dude. I mean, I, at least your boss is straight up honest with you. I mean, I guess you'd rather get your boss telling you the truth than giving you some BS answer. Um, But yeah, that sucks. And you know what? Even if, listen, I know lots of people in my life, right? And as do you. And I bet all of us know two people that are both good people but they do not get along i certainly know a number of people in my life that are that are good people and that i like but they do not get along at all even though they're both good people that's just the thing man like we are all different and unique and sometimes we just do not mesh with another person there's just somebody there's just another person who may be a very good person but I just don't jive with that. I mean, right? So we all know combinations of people like that. And maybe that was just you and your boss. And your boss is like, you know what? It uh, it makes it awkward for me at work because I don't like you. And uh, we just don't get along or what? I mean, I don't know. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying, hey, at least they were kind of honest about it instead of BSing you. I don't know. But that does suck, dude. That does suck. F-2020. I told you there was a song on the radio the other day that was playing and had the radio on. The song was literally called F-2020. <laughs> so I, I think that's a, a mantra a lot of us are saying these days john also right last year my theater class i was taking to a uh with a couple of buddies about let me just try this again last year in my theater class i was talking to a couple of buddies about getting a list and one friend said he's not subscribing because he paid a year uh, of movie pass everyone in our class laughed our asses off when he told us this movie pass didn't leave a good reputation oh it's, it's true and honestly that was one of the reasons and by the way, John sent in a $20 tip. Thank you so much for supporting the channel on that level, John. If there, are, uh, We're going to segment this out in the coming weeks uh, and put it up as its own standalone video on our channel. Thank you so much for supporting us on that level. But listen, one of the reasons – I remember when MoviePass first came out or they first started their big expansion, right? And AMC would not do business with them. And everybody was like – well, oh, come on, AMC. What's your problem? Get on board with this. This is great. This movie pass thing is great. Everybody just get on board with them. And AMC said, listen, we are looking very closely at their business model. And their business model is not going to work. And we fear, they even said, I remember the CEO of AMC at the time said this: we fear that they are going to damage the theatrical exhibitions industry relationship with customers because of what they're doing. And everybody said, no, AMC is just being uh, stubborn. AMC just doesn't want to get on board with this great new idea. And Movie Pass was a great new idea. But we were all ignoring the fact that they had a business plan that could not succeed, that could not work and would not work. And they were trying to blackmail the movie theaters and the studios at the same time. It was all rotten. And so what happened? They ended up being, AMC ended up being completely right. Because that's, I've had other people saying, like I've had other friends of mine that said, oh, dude, you ought to get A-list. Or if you live near Regal, uh, Regal Unlimited, you you should really sign up for that. It's a good deal if you like going to the movies. And then go, no, man, I had, I had movie pass. And, you know, it took me months to get my card, and they kept charging me even after I canceled and blah, blah. And it was a waste and I couldn't go to the movies. I'm never doing that again. And you can't blame them when somebody gets burned like that. You know, the old saying, once bitten, twice shy. Once you get burned like that, it makes you pessimistic, cautious. If I want to put it in a more friendly way, cautious about. Signing up for another similar-looking service. Now, of course, Regal Unlimited and AMC A-List are very, very different scenarios than what MoviePass was. Very different situations. But still, you can't blame people for if they got burned with MoviePass like a lot of people did. Whatever. I would just say, hey, look, let me let me sit down with you and explain to you why there's a big difference between MoviePass and AM- if your particular one is AMC, AMC A-List. And why you're not going to get burned with A List, and why it's a much better deal with A List. And let me explain to you why it's it's a much safer thing. But you can't blame your friend for for being a little bit trigger shy about it, uh, because they did. Movie Pass came in, didn't give an F about anything, and left scorched earth behind them when they disappeared. They left behind scorched earth that everybody else in the industry has to try to fix. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's the type of situation it was, man. All right. Thanks for writing that in, John. All right. Keith Hannaford writes hey john i've been with you since the amc days thank you so much and i'm a big fan of you and how you break down everything from movies to everyday issues just wanted to share my news my new top three movies number three peanut butter falcon you're not invited to my birthday party i love that movie um inglorious bastards a movie i hated the first time i watched it and now it might be my favorite quentin tarantino movie and the wolf of wall street tremendous scorsese film Excellent, excellent movie. None of those are in my top 10 personally, but those are three great movies. And how about Shia LaBeouf making a comeback? I mean, last year was a great year for Shia LaBeouf. And now he's got that, what's that one? Have you guys seen the trailer for that new Shia LaBeouf movie? I think it's called The Tax Collector. If you haven't seen that trailer, go and look up The Tax Collector uh, on YouTube. Tax Collector trailer. It looks awesome. And Shia LaBeouf looks great in it. And I'm very, very excited for that movie. All right, thanks for sharing that, Keith. And thanks for joining us ever since the AMC days. All right, Man of Steel Rules writes, The last several months, I've been searching out movies I never got around to watching, like Law-Abiding Citizen with uh, Gerard Butler. Uh, with Gerard Butler and Gangs of New York with Daniel Day-Lewis. Both of those movies were amazing, and I understand why Daniel Day-Lewis is the goat. Yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis is the goat. I, he, I've got a funny relationship with law-abiding citizen it's one of those movies i still like the movie and i still recommend the movie but it's one of those movies where the first two acts were fantastic but the third act kind of undid a lot of the good work that the first two acts did like the ending of that movie the the almost the almost the entire final act of the movie i thought was weak. I didn't like the way they went with the final act of the movie. But the first two acts are so good, I still recommend that one. And it's one of the reasons why I'm a big Gerard Butler fan. I mean, Gerard Butler puts out a lot of cheese, yes, but it doesn't matter. I like a lot of his stuff. I'm a big Gerard Butler fan. I always will be. Alright, thanks for sharing that, Man of Steel. right, Alan writes, Hey John, I just saw a rumor that New Mutants will be released on Disney Plus. Well, obviously you sent this in just before the show started. That, uh, uh, New Mutants will be released on Disney Plus on September 4th. Have you heard this? And do you think this would be a mistake? I have, uh, uh, I have like most of the marketing, and the movie looks really good. Wish this cast could continue. Again, I will point you back, in case you missed the first part of the show, we made this our off the top. We talked about this right off the top of the show. Uh, I saw it uh, You know, just a couple hours before we started the show today. And we talked about it at length. It is most likely all fake. The trailer was most likely fake. We talked about why it's fake, but I also at the beginning of today's show explain why there may be some reasons to believe there may be some validity to it. Again, I don't believe, I don't believe it. Uh, Let's just be clear. I do not believe that it's real, but I don't think you're crazy. I don't think you're insane. If you think there's some possibility it could be, because I believe there are a few little pieces of information there that could make it possible for it to be real. And I, again, I, I point you back to the beginning of the show. We covered all that a little bit earlier. Thanks a lot for that, Alan. All right, Dan Ketchum writes, if rain is a problem for drive-ins, why not install a roofed metal carport for each car space? Because that would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not a lot more. Uh, looking at prices, I think it would cost less than $200,000 to buy a couple of hundred with labor. It's got to be less than 500,000. Damn it, I need movies. Yeah, but how much money do you think drive-in theaters make? I mean, you're probably talking about a quarter of a million dollars to do that. Um, And then does that carport become a, that carport becomes a viewing obstruction for the car behind you. Because the car in front of you, if you're spaced out right, if the drive-in space you out right, the car in front of you shouldn't be a viewing problem. But you add on top of that now a carport that hovers above it, then you're creating a problem. Then you've then you've got a significant problem. So I I don't. So there's the expense of it. There's the expense of it. Um, because let me let me pull open a calculator for a second here. Let me see if I can get a calculator open here. Uh, okay. So let's say that um, the theater makes about ten bucks per car. Okay, that comes in. You make about, on average, 10 bucks per car. Because after all the expenses and that you got to pay out, the money goes back to the movie studios and all the rights holders, blah, blah, blah. Let's say, you know what? Let's even be more generous. Let's say it's $15 a car. And let's say you get in 200 cars and you're driving. Okay, so that's $30,000. It's probably closer. Let's say it's probably closer to 150 cars. So let's say you make $15 per car after all said and done. And that's probably being generous. And we'll say you can get 150 cars in there, although that's probably way too much. But let's say 150 cars. You are now making $2,225, right? Let me bring this over here, just so you guys can see it. So if we're saying, again, let's say you make $15, if you're driving theater, you make $15 profit per car. And you're getting in 150 cars. You're making two thousand two hundred and fifty dollars per screening. All right. So basically, if you're paying around a quarter of a million dollars to build all those carports, you've got to do a hundred screenings at full capacity, sellouts, just to break, just to pay for the carports. I don't know that that's financially viable, not to mention you're still dealing with the problem of you're creating a viewing obstruction now for all the other cars. So yeah, I don't think that works. I don't think that works. And by the way, I have been as a kid, I've been to a drive-in when it was raining. My mom and dad, there was a stretch where they loved taking me to the drive-in. And I remember being in the backseat of the car and the windshield wiper being on. So, I mean, it's not impossible. So, but yeah, I I think it's cost prohibitive to do it. All right. uh, Starscream writes, John, hope is all as well with you, and Rob took your advice and watched Eurovision, Uh, and uh, what a surprising treat. I also watched Flash Gordon on Blu-ray disc uh, on my 100-inch projector screen. That's nice. Still want my movie theaters back. As always, stay safe and all hail me. Starscream, of course. Yeah, listen, again, going back to Eurovision, that movie, again, being a Netflix original, which Netflix original movies, eight times out of ten end up to me being quite disappointing. Not to mention the trailers didn't look all that great. I sat down to watch it because I had a few people tell me, uh, this Eurovision is actually better than you might think. So like, all right, fine. I'll sit down and watch it. I thought it was adorable. And the music—the couple of the music numbers, two music numbers in particular, and I'm no, I'm not referring to Yaya Ding Dong. Um, one is the end song, My, uh, um, my Hometown oh my god that song is amazing uh where the mountains sing with the screams of eagles or the screams of seagulls i love that uh where the northern lights dance in colors and the magic nights unlike all surpass all others in my hometown it is a i'm getting chills thinking about it it is a fabulous song it's great but also there's an earlier number when they're at the party and they do the the song along That song that when they did that medley with all the different singers there, that was great too. And overall, it's just a charming little, mildly funny, enjoyable little film. Um, I was very pleasantly surprised by it. I'm glad you had a chance to watch it too. Starscream. All right. Next up. Starscream also writes, um, Where did I go? There it is. I also want to point out the Empire Strikes Back plot hole of Leia saying she remembers her mother isn't a plot hole. She's remembering her adoptive mother. And, of course, there's an exhaust port in the Death Star, or they would all die of carbon uh, carbon monoxide. Well, yes, of course there's an exhaust port. Yes. There are some people who think that um, when she's thinking about her mother, there are some who who propose... That it's actually the force, a force memory of Padme. There's that. But I also think you're correct. When she's talking about uh, her mother and all that kind of stuff, she's she's thinking of Bail's wife. She's thinking of Bale Organa's wife. That is the more logical one. Because remember... She, it wasn't until she was a certain age that she, according to the novels, that she even found out she was adopted, right? So that is probably the most likely scenario, although others point out that it could be a forced memory of Padme, even though she was just born when she saw Padme. That's a possibility too. All right. Thanks for pointing that out, Starscream. Uh, TJ Thomas writes, Hey, John, I have heard of Terrence House as it was I have heard of Terrace House. Not Terrace House. That's the show I was talking about at the beginning. I have heard of Terrace House as it was recently in the news with a popular Japanese female wrestler being, oh, that's right, being one of the stars. Sadly, she took her own life last month after she started getting a large amount of hate from the fans of the show. Yeah, I I heard about that. I didn't realize. So there was a a, a, a Japanese wrestler, female wrestler in the WWE, and I guess she started taking getting a lot of hate or she or she was I can't remember what it was exactly and she ended up taking her own life. Now I don't follow WWE nearly like I did when I was younger, but obviously but Ann does and Ann actually does a WWE podcast with Corey and and uh, my buddy Ryan and when I, I mentioned, "Hey, do you guys hear about this girl? She committed suicide." They were really shocked. They were really shocked. Um, by the way, another girl from Terrace House um just a few months ago got signed to star in a um I think an Amy Puller produced comedy movie that's gonna be coming up on Netflix later this year. I can't remember the I think the girl's name was Lauren. Anyway, so yeah, these kids from Terrace House, they're using that popularity to branch out into other things. All right, thanks for sharing that, TJ. All right, Jay writes John, for once, I'm happy to live in a red state. Variety reported Warner Brothers saying could move forward with tenant in select U.S. cities where health and government officials say, OK, will studios do this? Will Warner Brothers uh, and Wanda pressure China and AMC 51% uh, want and own to open? I don't know that Wanda owns 51% of AMC anymore. I think they divested. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, whole second ownership of AMC. I think they divested themselves of a bunch of their shares. I, so I do not believe I, I'm, I'm, I could be wrong about this. Um, but I believe they only own like still a good percentage. I still think they're the single biggest shareholder of amc but i i also believe they divested themselves of a bunch of their ownership i think their ownership now is somewhere in the 20 to 30 percent range um now when i was at amc wanda that's when wanda took over amc was when i was there wanda came in bought out amc and uh or bought the majority of the the shares of amc and they became like majority owners and then the public shares went and they were still the majority owners i do not believe any they are own that anymore anyway That being said, you cannot pressure the Chinese government. That's just done. End of story, end of sentence. You can't pressure. The Chinese government can't be pressured. That's kind of part and parcel of their government system there. Uh, I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. I'm just saying you ain't pressuring the Chinese government to do anything it doesn't want to do. So there's that. But yeah, we were just talking a little bit earlier, Jay, that maybe the non-traditional release will be... Opening up in some U.S. states and not others. Maybe it means opening up in some international markets and not in others. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But it's definitely a possibility, man. It's definitely a possibility. All right. Next up, Jaron Morris writes, "Hey John, have you seen the the reports of Khabib telling Justin Gaith, uh, Gaethje to fight uh, to fight McGregor? I think it's a it's a double win for Justin because it's a money fight, and if he wins and he gets to fight Khabib, uh, thought that you can uh, uh, thought." Also, can you wish my mom uh Daphne a happy birthday? Thank you. Oh, happy birthday to Mama Morris. Happy birthday to Daphne. Morris. I hope you have a fabulous day and I hope you have a fabulous year ahead of you. So that's great. What a nice son you have. Um I haven't seen that comment from Khabib, No. I if I'm Justin Gaethje, I don't think I do it. Because you've or if you're Justin Gaethje, you've already earned that title shot right you've already earned the shot now granted obviously uh kabib's dad just died and not only was that his dad it was his head coach uh habib's dad was his head coach who taught him everything and was continued to be his main coach he just lost his coach and his father boom this was a few weeks ago so that may delay Uh, Nurmagomedov coming back to fight anytime soon if I'm Justin Gaethje I think I wait but you are right it is a win-win for him to fight Conor McGregor for two reasons one he'll destroy Conor McGregor I think uh, don't give me I'm not I shouldn't say destroy it's not like I think it's gonna be totally lopsided but Gaethje will beat Conor McGregor McGregor's great Gaethje is a maestro of violence, though. And right now, he is at his peak. So it's a win for Gaethje there, and it is a massive payday. A Justin Gaethje versus Conor McGregor fight would bring in huge money. And I honestly don't think Gaethje has much to worry about. Um, I mean, McGregor's a threat, but... I think Gaethje can handle him. And so you're right. It would be a double win. But again, if I'm Gaethje, I'm not risking that title shot. I've He has earned that title shot. He fought his way to that title shot. And if I'm him, I sit on my ass and wait for that title shot. He'll get beat. I mean, Habib will beat him. But uh, I would wait for that title shot. But it's going to be interesting to see what he does moving forward. All right. James Welsh writes, to me, Dumb and Dumber is one of the best direct, uh, directional debuts. To make a movie that good and memorable and so such quotable lines, uh, first time out is no easy feat. Would you rank it up there with the best directorial debuts? I didn't think it was the brothers' directorial debut. Hold on a second. Let me, let me pull this up. I, if it is, I didn't realize that. Um, Dumb and Dumber. <clears throat> directed, of course, by the brothers, the Farley brothers. Um, I thought they had directed before that. Let me go down. No, you're right. Dumb and Dumber was their directorial debut. I don't know. While it is a great all-time classic, one of the funniest movies ever made, I don't know that I would consider it one of the best directorial debuts. Because a lot of that was just Jim Carrey and, and Jeff Daniels and they did a very good job directing that movie, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's a really interesting thing. And you just gave me I P I didn't realize that that was their, um, I didn't realize that was their first directorial movie. I, I didn't realize that. And then they did. There's something about Mary shortly after that. That's one of my wife's favorite, uh, One of my wife's favorite, a lot of people's favorites, something about Mary. But yeah, the Farley brothers, man. Uh, I didn't realize that. I would say this off the top of my head. I would not say it's one of the best directorial debuts, but I, and I may change my mind about that, but I would say, even though I don't think it's one of the best directorial debuts right now, I'd still say there's an argument to be made for it though. There's an argument to be made for it. That's a really good little piece of information. Thanks for sharing that, James. All right. K Major writes. Just watched uh, Adam Sandberg, Palm Springs. It wasn't half bad. I felt effort in it. Yeah, listen, I have not watched Palm Springs yet. I'm really late to the party on that one. Um, there was a weekend a couple of weeks ago where three movies came out on streaming. Greyhound with Tom Hanks, which I was dis- I'll was i be honest, I was a little bit disappointed with. Um, the Old Guard, which I really enjoyed. And Palm Springs. Palm. I got around to watching the first two, but I did not watch Palm Springs. I have yet to talk to somebody K major that told me they didn't like Palm Springs. Some people love it. Some people at least like it, but everybody seems to like, like I just said, at least like it. Everybody seems to at least enjoy the movie. So that's something. So I've got to get around to watch. I know Anne wants to watch it too. So we got to get around to watching that. Thanks for adding the recommendation there. All right. Final question of the day, guys comes to us from Casey McNatt, who writes, Hey, John, How's your day going? It's going very well. Thank you so far. I hope you are staying safe out there. Just wanted to ask you, do you think Marvel is planning a big event like DC is doing like, uh, with DC Fandom? Um, I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> you can make an argument. Marvel doesn't need to do one. You can make that argument. They have D23 and they have Star Wars Celebration, although they've canceled both of those. They're going to be doing at least one panel at, uh, I, I don't know how many panels they're doing at Comic-Con at home. They're at least doing the New Mutants one. So that's one that they're doing. But I don't think they're planning on doing that. I don't think they feel the need to do that. I wouldn't be shocked if they did. I won't be shocked if they do. But but right now, my guess is that they won't. But I, I mean, it's possible. They could they could do it. Like I said, I won't fall out of my chair of surprise if, if they did it. But right now, I haven't heard of any plans to do so. And I got a feeling they're of the mindset that they don't really have a need to do it. I think DC needs to do one like this. And I think it's a good idea for them to do it. And I think they can reap a lot of benefit. I just don't know the Marvel's in the same position. I don't know. Have to see. Good question though, Casey. All right, guys, then we'll do it. For today's installment of the John Campus Show, thank you guys so much for being here. And listen, a special thank you to all of you who did send in those live questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. Number two, you supported this channel while you did it. And all of us here, thank you for that. Don't forget to come back and join us again for tomorrow's episode of the John Campus Show. Remember the new start time, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Normally the show has been starting. The regular starting show time has been 9 a.m., but we have bumped that to 10 a.m., and we're going to at least be doing that for a while to see how that all works out. So the start time tomorrow is 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Hope you guys will join us. Guys. I said I didn't do it normally, but now I will. Subscribe to this YouTube channel if you haven't subscribed already. Do me a favor, guys. Click that thumbs up button. Leave your thoughts on any or all the topics that we discussed here today. Have some good, encouraging conversation with each other. That will do it for me now, guys. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves. And for God's sakes, please take care of the people around you. My name is John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.